Fundamental Life Podcast. Well, welcome. Welcome to podcast number five of the Fundamental Life series. It's been a riot. We've been, uh, enjoyed it. How you doing, Matthew? Good, man. You know, just living the dream. Wishing, wishing. Oh, I went and saw a movie. I went to a movie theater. We always start up with shows and movies. Hey, man, it's just letting people know, you know what's going on in the world. You went to a theater? Yeah. Do tell. Um, so Megaplex just opened back up. I want to say it was last Friday, Thursday, Friday. Anyway, they're showing like a bunch of old movies. I was uh, a little disappointed because all the old movies that they're showing right now are from the 80s. And I actually broke all of them out during the quarantine TV and made my kids watch them. So like Goonies. Goonies. Dude, uh, Goonies, I'm going to be honest, is vulgar. Oh, I, know. I didn't realize it when I was watching that. <laughs> when I was watching that thing with my kids, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't let my nine-year-old watch this. <laughs> right? I'm like... Dude, I'm I'm watching some of the movies with them. They uh they really pushed the other night to watch the Terminator, the original Terminator. So I kick it on, and then I, like things start going, and I was like, okay, yeah. So I called it the blanket scene, and I took a, a blanket and I just stood in front of the television, and like covered the TV because like there's no way I'm letting my freaking nine year old watch that you know scene you know. And here I am. Oh now hold on hold on. What's the scene? Um, you know where is Sarah it? Connor gets impregnated. Oh, that scene! I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily remember, but I probably wouldn't want to let my kid watch that either. No, and here I am watching it. Like I knew when it was going to come. Like I knew, I knew it was right coming, coming up. So I had the blanket already, and I was like, "All right, here we go." And I step in front. I'm like holding it up so nobody can see anything, and I'm thinking to myself, "I saw this in the theater with my parents." And I'm like, and I was like eight. I'm like, what? What? Things have changed. That's yeah, all I can say. I think, I think we were exposed to a lot of, uh, a lot of violence, a lot of uh, maybe sexually explicit things at a young age. And uh, I, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. But Goonies, I know. I, I mean, I, honestly, like, I like right from the get go with yeah. Chunk and all their. I was like, man, this is. I don't remember it being this vulgar. My wife was like, we should probably turn this off. I was yeah. like, well, I turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't swear a lot. <laughs> Actually, I do. My wife calls me the mayor of Swearsville. Um, but I'm, I'm really good. I know my audience, so I don't swear in front of my kids much. So um, I'm going to give a <laughs> shout-out to uh, Marcus. He's not on the mic, but he handles our uh, podcast. I've known you for about whopping two months, maybe. Um, and listened to your podcast this morning, and it was awesome. So kudos. Remind me the name of it. Changing Pace. Changing Pace. So for those listening, check it out. It's awesome. This last episode has a beautiful female on there. Have you listened to it? No, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you'll have to listen to it. It's really, really good. So for those listening to us, hop on over, listening to listen to uh, Changing Pace with Marcus. I think you'll enjoy it. So kudos. Rock and roll. All right, my man. Um, what, one just real quick thing. Monday night, if uh, if you're bored, you can kick on Discovery Channel. This particular Monday night, you may catch a glimpse of the back of my head or my hand. I don't know. Um, but I did uh, paint something for the Diesel Brothers, 
and it is pretty awesome. Whether you see me or you don't, you should check it out just because of all the things I've painted, this thing probably makes me smile the biggest. One thing we haven't done uh, is to introduce maybe a little bit who we are. So I'll introduce you because okay. I know you're a humble person. You don't like to brag. <laughs> so Matt is, uh, if you go to Instagram and search Billy Luber, that happens to be uh, his real name. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's a nickname that he goes by. He does a ton of uh, paint work. He's a phenomenal artist, and he's worked with the Diesel Brothers, which is on Discovery Channel. Huge show. I think they're on their sixth season. Seventh. Seventh season. Yeah. So Matt's done paint work with them for a few years now, and uh, you'll see a lot of his work just throughout the show. But uh, as he mentioned on Monday night, you may catch the back of his head, maybe his hand. But uh, he does a ton of painting. Some other things that uh, he's a Spider-Man. He does a lot of work with uh, uh, Shriners Hospital mm -hmm. um, and uh, dresses up for that quite quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So just don't do any backflips. Nope. Had a pretty bad head, head injury from trying to do some little too many gymnastics when he was in character. But, uh, yeah, awesome. So check that out. That would be cool. Thanks, man. And let me introduce you to uh, Stephen Bubba Saxton. For uh, for those that know him, he has uh, had that nickname of Bubba for, I don't know, since the day he was born because he apparently was a pretty um, round baby. I can't uh -oh. imagine. I was, I was chubby. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's really fit. And if you know Steve, um, he is an avid cyclist. You know, like road bikes, mountain bikes, everything like that. He spends a lot of time donating his, you know, talents and abilities to the local mountain bike um, clubs, uh, DNA Cycling. His son actually competed and was ranked first in the nation um, and like fourth in the world. Um, he was up there. Let's just say he was up there. It depended on the week. Um, as to how the races were going, but yeah. yeah. So he's, uh, you know, as far as a physical specimen, like that's what I always say. I know my man. He's got a number and it's a 10. Um, I've never seen abs uh, quite like my, I mean his. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. They are in the cooler right now. <laughs> there are, are no abs. They're in the cooler. Yeah, my abs are quarantined right now. I, I put them away. I told them, I was like, you can't come out right now. <laughs> can't come out i'm worried about it well now that we flattered each other a little bit um <laughs> let's move on to a sweet topic so collateral the am last I, am, c yes so i always forget what we're going to talk about but collateral and uh basically with collateral when we're talking about lending uh the one thing with uh collaterals everybody has to have somewhere to sleep okay you could sleep in a tent you could sleep in the mountains you could sleep in a van most people tend to sleep in an apartment, a condo, townhome, house. They need somewhere. They need shelter to take care of themselves. Now, to digress, I am actually in the middle of a new series. <laughs> I'm watching this show called Alone, and it's rad. Like, this show is awesome. A friend turned me on to it. It uh, takes place on Vancouver Island. They take 10 people, and they just dump them on Vancouver Island. There's no destination. They don't have to get anywhere. They just have to purely survive. And if you think that's easy, I'll be honest. The last show, one guy left after four hours. He saw some bear 
feces and freaked out and went home. Didn't even last one night. But one of the things in being on the island is they need shelter, right? So they have to build themselves, you know, lean to or whatnot. They can take these 10 luxury items. But anyway, I digress. You have to have shelter, okay? So when we talk about collateral, collateral is the home that you are going to live in. That's uh, the home that we're going to finance, your first home, your second home or whatnot. That's your property. Absolutely. And that's when you look at collateral, a lot of people, um, it's something that you have to pick. It's something that you have to live in, not me. My taste is different than Steve's taste or Marcus or anybody like that. What's, what is important to me on, in a home isn't necessarily important to everybody. Yeah, and we deal with uh, homeowners five days a week, some days, some days seven days a week with text messages and email now. One of the common questions that we get all the time uh, when people come in, they want to talk about uh, should they buy a condo, should they buy a townhome, should they buy a single-family home, should they buy in the city, should they buy in rural America, where should they live, what should they buy, what are the pros and cons to each type of property. Um, and one of the things that uh, uh, is important to note is, you know, they're all good. There's, there's, everybody's different, you know, and everybody likes different things. Some people uh, don't really like to be close to neighbors. So they want to be in rural America. Other people, they want to be right downtown. And regardless of what city you're in, everybody has different needs. And so I'm going to try to take my opinion out of where you should live and talk about the pros and cons of each different property. And then once you own that property, kind of, you know, what some of the questions we get are how can we in, improve value? What's going to appreciate quickly? Um, what's going to depreciate? What's at risk? What's not? Uh, some of those things. Uh, yeah. And that's, um, so let's just start out with the three most important things when it comes to real estate. When picking a property, what do they always tell you? What's the three most important things in real estate? Location, location, location. That's right. That's right. If you're looking for an investment, if you want a return on your property, like I said, it doesn't, everything is, is relative to who it's being presented to. So it's, uh, so my dad likes to fish and it's one of those things, uh, he, he talked to me the other day on uh, the 4th of July about fishing. And it's, you know, trying to get my boys to go back out fishing with him. And he felt bad. They went and they didn't catch any fish. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to take the boys out fishing. And it's like, you know, that's probably not going to work out. And it's interesting when you look at it in the aspect of fishing. Because for me, my favorite things are like strawberry shortcake. Um, I used to really like ice cream, but now I don't eat ice cream. Um, you know, pizza. Wait, why don't you like ice cream, dude? Oh, man, I you love really ice cream. You really don't like ice cream? No, I love ice cream. I'm just saying I can't eat it. Oh, I love ice cream. I, we, I, I, love, I love me some ice cream. <laughs> right? Burn on my fudge, dude. That was my jam. You anyway. don't like toast either. You always rip on toast. <laughs> I have a hankering for some toast. I love toast. <laughs> Only if it's buttered well. So, But my point is, those are things that I like to eat. When you look at a fish, a fish likes to eat 
nasty worms and cheese and like just nasty stuff, right? So it's the same way with my boys. It's like, Dad, my boys don't like the fish. So why are you trying to get them to eat this? Stop trying to entice them with worms and stuff of that nature. Entice them with the, what they desire. You know, if I put a piece of pizza on the end of a fishing pole, I'm not going to catch any fish or, you know, strawberry shortcake or ice cream or toast or whatever. So, Dad, stop trying to catch my boys with something they don't want to do. And it's the same way with, with real estate. And, and so that's, I know I got there in a long roundabout way, but with real estate, it matters according to what you want. There's a there's a guy that works up at the shop. His name's his name's Bud, and I love Bud. Um, Bud's from Ohio. Bud has four, maybe five teeth. Um, and Bud, I've talked to him multiple times. He's always there late at night. So when I'm painting, he'll he'll come over and you know chat with me and different things like that. And he has his goals, and his goal is to buy the nicest camper trailer. Ever. He lives in a camper right now, and he wants to buy, like, a $30,000 camper trailer, and when his time is up, he can hook it to the back of his truck and drive away and then pull it into another parking lot somewhere, and that's where he's going to live, and that's what he wants. So we've been going through and getting his credit dialed in and getting it taken care of so he can accomplish that. Now, is that where I want to live? No. No, I want to live in a home, but to Bud, that's the perfect situation for him. So when you hear the statement that it's all about location, location, location. He's taken care of, dude. He can haul that baby anywhere. He can have any location. His location can be different. He can be in three different locations in the same day. <laughs> exactly. And so <laughs> that's why, like, you got to look at what you're buying and why. So don't necessarily trap yourself in this bubble of it's got to be the perfect location. Yeah, and take your ego out of it. Um, that mean that may sound like, you know, why, why, why take your ego out? Of it? Man, there are some big homes, and people put themselves in, in, in what we call house poor. Um, you know, it's not a it, it's not a contest to see who can have the greatest house. Like, if you really want to find some joy in your life, do what you want to do. Buy what you want absolutely try to make sound decisions on the financial side but typically when someone comes in and they really uh, maybe they're looking to upgrade um, from their current home that they've been in or their first-time buyer um, they you know are looking at condos townhomes and the common question we get and I'm, I'm mentioning this because I know you've got this written down should I build or should I just buy an existing and that's a really really good question and I can see advantages uh, to both. Um, for example, if you decide to build, um, you better, let me preface this with, you better have some deep pockets and not a set budget. Because I would say over the last two decades of doing this, typically homeowners are going to go over 10 to 30%. 10 is like pretty much the minimum. Uh, 30% is, eh, we've seen some higher than that, but you're going to go over budget. And when you build, there's a lot of things that an existing home has that you're going to have to put up with. For example, a yard, a sprinkler system, window coverings, these appliances, a lot of unforeseen costs that don't go into building the structure. 
um, if you're going to buy a condo, right? Um, you're still going to have some of those expenses. Let's say you're going to buy a condo from uh, a builder, an existing builder. Um, there's some pros and cons with that. It's new. It's nice. It smells good. The carpet's clean. But again, you're going to have some upfront expenditures. And if there's 150 units in that complex, you got to remember the majority of these people are likely first-time home buyers. So if you want to upgrade and step into your second home in three or four years, chances are everybody else has that same idea. So you're going to have a lot of competition when you go to sell that. Is it going to appreciate as quickly as a single family home or an existing condo? So I know I'm going into a lot of different avenues, but um, should I build or should I buy existing? And again, it's not up to me to tell you what to do, um, but we need to talk about the pros and cons of each one of those. Absolutely. I say that a lot. Like whenever we transition, I say absolutely. So it's like the way I agree. I got to come up with something else. I don't know. I'd say absolutely all the time. I'm going to find you a synonym. There we go. I'm going to get online right now. My find man. Find you a synonym. Power of Google. <laughs> so, um, so I built. I built my very first home. I was the ripe old age of 22, and I went out, and I was looking at homes. I was like, oh, man, I don't like any of these. I want something new. And I thought, I thought that was the important thing is that if I built it, it would be brand new. It would be mine. It would be perfect. I'd be there. Absolutely cinnamon. Certainly. Without question. Surely. Surely. Oh, dude, I like it. exactly, precisely. All right, dude. Yeah, those are things. Precisely, you. precisely. So I built my first house, and I was super stoked. Like I said, twenty-two, dumb. Build the house. I built it to the specifications of a twenty-two-year-old. Um, it had two bedrooms. <laughs> um, it had, let's see, it had three bathrooms, two bedrooms. Why didn't I only have two bedrooms? Because when they were building, I was like, I don't want all these bedrooms. Make it one big bedroom. <laughs> Which, uh, again, I was 22. And But the biggest thing with when I moved into the house, I closed. I'll never forget. It was May. I closed on April 29th or April 30th. And it funded May 1st. And that was the day because that's the day you started a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I showed up, unlocked the door. R.C. Willie delivered my furniture because I was moving out of my parents' house, so I didn't have anything to move. R.C. Willie moved in for me, which was nice. Um, And when I got home that night, I walked in. I was like, well, where the hell are the blinds? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there aren't any. And so, like, I called my agent. I was like, hey, um, when are they putting up the blinds? She's like... (laughs) You, you don't. You, you, I can, I'm laughing because I can tell. <laughs> you literally probably thought that was included. <laughs> I did. I walked in. I was like, "Where are the blinds? What the hell?" And so, sure enough, like you got to put in blinds. I was like, "Okay, well, how much are blinds?" It's like what a couple hundred bucks, three, four hundred bucks. Guess again. Guess again. Like I, I called a blind company and they showed up and they gave me a bid. I was like, "Yeah, let's do shutters. I want to do shutters." They're like, cool, that'll be twenty eight thousand dollars. I was like, how much? How much for blinds? <laughs> and so I ended up buying blinds at Home Depot and have them cut. 
And if you get Home Depot blinds, it's the greatest thing. <laughs> like, because they make them, like, super long because they don't know how long your windows are going to be. So they'll cut it to the width so it fits perfectly. But at the bottom of your blinds, you have, like, I don't know, six to eight inches of stacks of, like, you know, slats that you can remove. But I, I didn't because, you know, I'm 22. I got better things to do. So, anyway, that, that's the big thing. When you look at building, there are other costs. When that door closes behind you and you think, oh, my house, this is all done. Um, you, like Steve said, you got a yard. You got blinds. You got, as uh, Michael Irving would say, frontager. Frontager. <laughs> you gotta you gotta furniture. get furniture for your house. It's like there's there's that's a furniture. Just we translate that's furniture, not okay. furniture. <laughs> gotta get my furniture. So, uh, but you, you bring up uh, uh, a lot of good points. I think you know as we hammer through those unforeseen expenses for uh, four people. Uh, you know, if you buy existing, it's gonna likely have a yard. It's gonna have a sprinkler system. Um, it's now now existing homes they may. They may have some some things that need to be worked on. The shingles might be a little ragtag. Uh, the furnace might be wearing out. The water heater. So both sides. However, your costs up front when you move in to actually have a home that's inhabitable with all the things you need are going to be significantly less on an existing home than they are if you build. One of the things that I really love about existing homes is you know exactly what you're going to get. Um if you build, let's say there's vacant lots uh, around you or the community's not built out, there's, uh, you're, you're kind of going on a little bit of luck. Sure, you can, you can talk to the planning commission and kind of find out uh, with th through streets or if they're going to widen streets. Or, but you never really truly know. When you buy an existing property, you know what you're getting. You know where it's at. You know how it's constructed. You can, you know, hire an inspector and go in and sniff the carpet and all that good stuff. Find out if it has mold, do a meth test, all these things. You know what you're getting. When you build, there's a little bit of unforeseen there. And some people are okay with that. However, um, it can go south. So with an existing residence, um, I think they're not always, but I think more often than not, there's bigger room uh, for upside. Uh, in that home appreciating. So because you know what you're buying, you can really value what it's worth. You can look at those comparables like an appraiser would do and kind of value in your own head what you feel it's worth. Now, definitely there's some emotion in buying. It is an emotional purchase. It's a home that you want to live in. It's a home that, uh, uh, you know, like that fish. You like certain things. The wife wants a nice kitchen. Uh, for me, I want a nice big garage. Um, some people, the yard is very, very important to them. Other guys want a man cave. Some kids want a big bedroom. Everybody has different needs. Everyone has different tastes. But what you shouldn't do is what Matt did, blow down a wall and make it a two-bedroom you know, uh, bachelor pad because the resale on that is going to be questionable, which brings us to the next thing. Um, we oftentimes get calls from clients and they want to improve uh, the value of their current home. They like where they live, but they don't love the home. They, their needs have changed or they made some concessions and bought a home that wasn't exactly what they wanted, but um, they want to do a rehab on it or some reconstruction. And so we get those questions about what can I do to increase the value of my property? 
And that's a tough question because, again, everyone's tastes are different. But uh, a lot of people want to do cash out to finish the basement. Now let's talk about the basement here for a second. Uh, for example, I finished the basement in my home, and it cost it was a it was a six figure, uh, you know, considerably more than that to get the basement finished. It's beautiful. Yeah, my value did not go up. Uh, what it cost me to do that basement did not increase my value that much, but it was important to me to have somewhere downstairs, so, you know, so my kids can bring their friends over and kind of have a segregated little area in the house, but. Uh, I, I, I won't get that money back out. Now it's nice. I get to enjoy it. But if you finish your basement, it's not as if you spend 50 grand, your value is going to go up 50 grand tomorrow. Maybe it will more, more than likely. It probably won't. Precisely. Surely. <laughs> um, that was one thing with my home that I live in now. Um, when I started having kids, I had to sell my bachelor pad. Had to. Because there was, my wife was actually kind of like, why did you build it this way? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, there's not a single bedroom on one floor. You have a bedroom upstairs, a bedroom downstairs, and a bedroom on the main floor. And I was like, oh, bachelor pad. Anyway, so I had to sell that. And when I went to purchase a new home, I did not build. I found an existing home. And one of the biggest things that I was looking for was a finished basement. Because the house that I built, I had to finish the basement. And just like Steve said, dollar for dollar, I did not get that money back. Um, and because I was there a short time, I didn't even get the dollar for dollar enjoyment back. So that's one of the things where when we went looking, we went to find an existing home that had a finished basement and a detached garage. That was a big thing for me. One of the areas that you cannot escape from is we talked about location three times, mm -hmm. three locations, but you cannot escape square footage. Okay. Square footage is when an, when a home is appraised, let's talk about the appraisal process just briefly. When a home's appraised, um, we're going to order an appraisal from an appraisal management company. Now, because of the new lending laws and the home valuation code of conduct originators, cannot have any contact with an appraiser. It's an unbiased opinion, uh, and it is an opinion, okay? It's not a science, but it's an unbiased opinion on what your home's worth. That appraiser is going to look at your square footage. Let's say your home's 4,000 square feet. It's a Rambler, 2,000 up, 2,000 down. The whole thing's finished. What he's going to do is he's going to go look at sales within the last three to six months in a close proximity to your home that are also very, very similar, almost 4,000, maybe it's 3,800 square feet or 4,200 square feet. It's on a similar lot size. Again, it's in a close proximity. What has, what have those homes sold for? Generally, they're going to pull three to six comparables that have sold in the last three to six months. And then they're going to bracket those sales and come up with the value of your home. Let's say, for example, you sit on a half acre and one sits on a quarter acre. Well, definitely a half acre is worth more than a quarter acre. So your value would be worth more than a home of similar square footage that was on a quarter acre. Um, so you cannot escape square footage. So a lot of clients will want to uh, add on to their home. Hey, my home's 4,000 square feet. If it were 4,800, it would be worth more. So they 
want to pull out money and do these home renovations uh, and add square footage to their home. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that. There's, there's a lot of reasons why I know people do it, but it, it, I'm just not a big fan of it because again, there's some unforeseen there and it's super expensive to add square footage. When you're talking about structural renovations, new footings, new foundation, new walls, extending an area, um, that gets a little bit, uh, a little sketch, maybe, maybe sell your home and find something that suits your needs a little better. Uh, but again, I, I'm, if I'm the fish, you can't feed me a marshmallow, right? I want to, I want a worm. So everybody has different needs. Uh, but there are some uphill battles with adding square footage to your home. But if you're buying a property and you love it, it's like, man, I, I love this home. My wife loves the kitchen. And you're looking at comparable sales of similar square footage in the last three to six months and everything's selling for 30 grand less. Don't buy it. Okay. Because yes, she's emotionally attached to it and you really love it, but you'll never escape square footage. Let's say you uh, lose your job and need to sell that home or you move because of a job transfer. You're likely going to be underwater because if a home that's 4,000 square feet is selling for 600 grand, and you go and buy one, you know, that's 3,200 square feet for 600 grand, you overpaid. And if you need to get out of that home, you're going to be upside down or you're going to lose money. Yeah. And that's where it's, uh, again, it goes back to fish. I, you know, when it comes to building, buying different things like that, um, we both have had clients overpay for properties. Um, you know, I've had clients tell me, Hey, the only way I'm leaving this house is in a pine box. And so I'm going to die here. And I'm like, well, you probably should because you just paid way too much to have this house done. But that's, again, it's, uh, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you looking to do? This is the house you're going to die in. Then you just pay what you need so you can have it. Surely. Precisely. <laughs> exactly. So... <laughs> I have a I have a little short 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 case study. So I just had a client who uh, bought a property, and uh, the seller of that said home bought it two years ago. Bought it in August of 2018. They bought it on one of these loans that we've talked about in our other podcast. They bought it on it's called the Utah Housing Loan. So they put zero money down. Okay, um, and when they sold that home two years later, just just this month. Um, they were underwater. So they needed to pay off their existing mortgage, also pay the realtors, okay, to sell the home. And they'd also been in a forbearance for the last 90 days. And so they actually had to bring $6,000 to sell their house. Um, and that's in an appreciating market. That's where values are going up two, three, four percent on average throughout the state, and higher in other areas but they actually had to bring money to close. I don't think they ever thought in 2018 that this coronavirus would hit and they would be forced to move to Texas, talking about the seller. And when they got the call that they had to bring six grand to close, uh, I don't know where they got it, but they did end up coming up with it. So those are the things that we're talking about. You know, Always try to have a little bit of wiggle room. Now, if you're paying a home, uh, buying a home cash and you're liquid and like, Man, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. We're talking about, you know, first-time home buyers or people that are putting a minimal amount down. Just don't put yourself in a position where um, you're going to be financially strapped or, I'll use this word, even screwed. 
Yeah. You know, uh, always be in a position where you can unload an asset, whether it's a motorcycle, a car, a house, be in a position where you owe less on it than it's worth. Um, and you'll just, you'll, you'll never, you shouldn't find yourself in hard times if you're in that position. For sure. Um, and that's going back to, you know, build versus, uh, buying existing. And this is especially for first time home buyers. When you buy a house, you're going to have things break. There is no landlord to call. And unless it's a brand new home, you're not going to have a warranty. So try to set aside the, the, the recommended amount is 1% of the value of your house. So if you pay 300 grand, set aside $3,000 for expenses a year for home improvements, um, for, and this is basic stuff. Like we joke about it here in our building. Like we have so many things that are broken and we just duct tape them, uh, duct tape them together. Yeah, yeah. We just had our uh, back door go out. So our key cards wouldn't work and we had to get that fixed. And you know, our building's relatively new. It's, I mean, well, it's 12 years old, but it's, these things wear out. These things have to be replaced. I've had to replace both my water heaters. Um, I know my uh, air conditioning unit is on its last legs. Um, so these are things that you have to set that money aside for and plan on because if it breaks and you don't have the money, then you're having to go out and get a signature loan or put it on a credit card or now all of a sudden you're, you're putting yourself down the rabbit hole where you should have this money set aside to take care of your asset. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. Is that your word? Yeah. No, I'll absolutely. Check, yeah. Maybe I'll use absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Surely. Those, those costs, those unforeseen expenses, I mean, it goes down as simple as light bulbs and, uh, uh, you know, broken garage door opener and all those things. And so yet to have those reserves um, is not just wise, it's, <laughs> it's paramount just to have that money. Things are going to break. And when you're uh, renting, you don't necessarily have to worry about those things. But when you own a home, that is one burden that you have to take on is, uh, you know, you've got tax, property taxes, you've got insurance, but you also just have these little things that will break. Um, so, you know, it's not as if owning a home is this big nuisance, but there are some things that will, it's just like your car, honestly. you got to keep air in the tires, you got to keep fuel in the tank, got to change the oil, um, got to replace the wiper blades, you know, things like that. Um, there's just some maintenance. So... Um, I know you have this written down, so I'm just going to jump into it. Neighbors, you know, let's, uh, do you like your neighbors? And people are going to move. People are going to, uh, your neighbors are going to change. You know, people are going to move in next door. You may like them when you move in. You may not when they move out. I've had clients that move just because they don't like their neighbors. I have a gal right now in holiday. I've been to her house. The house is awesome. She's like, I've got to move. I'm moving. I hate my neighbors. They do all kinds of stuff to her pets and they call the popo on her when she has little shin digs out back. I don't know. Maybe she's wild. Who knows? But she wants to sell her house because she hates her neighbors. All these little things go into uh, where should you buy? What should you buy? Uh, what should you pay? Okay. If you don't spend a ton of time at home, why the hell do you need an 8,000 square foot house? You know? We joke around about what your needs are. I've said this in the past. I say it all the time. I'll, dude, I live in a Sprinter van. Just give me, you know, something super comfortable and a mountain bike, and yeah, I can hit the, I can hit the car wash and do, you know, a little shower in the sink or whatnot. So everybody has different needs, 
And uh, my home that I live in is uh, for my family and my wife. And absolutely, I need somewhere to sleep. But it's very, very important to them to have certain things. And I've tried to provide those. Yeah. Do you like your neighbors? Don't don't answer that. I I actually do. Like, um, it's funny, a joke about I've lived in my house now. It's uh, 17 years. And I have seen my neighbor to the east of me once. And I didn't even realize it was him until he was all the way at the end of the street. I was out front and I was like pulling some weeds. And he walked by with his wife and I was like, hey, what's up? And he said, hi, how are you? And that's it. And like he got all the way down to the end of the street. And I was like, holy crap, I saw him. I thought he was like a Sasquatch. I didn't I didn't believe he was a real person, but he... Uh, the urban Yeti. Yeah, so I've only seen him once. So yeah, I really like that neighbor because uh, no problems, no issues, anything like that. The best neighbors are the ones that you don't have to talk to. I'm just, I'm just joking because <laughs> yeah. my neighbor across the street, I've gotten a text a couple times. He's like, it's like 11 o'clock at night. He's like, hey, Steve, did you know your garage door is open? I was like, I did not. Thanks, bro. We aren't the greatest of friends, but hey, watch out for each other. Neighbors are a big deal, man. They can, you know, if you've got children, do they have friends to play with? Um, all these little little decisions. Believe it or not, that's what I was reading about is being a good neighbor and being involved in your community actually helps bring the value up of your home. Hmm. Because now all of a sudden your neighborhood that would make sense. Yeah, your neighborhood's, you know, not just aesthetically pleasing, but it's full of good neighbors. And so when people go out to look for a home, it's like I want to live in this neighborhood because we know this neighborhood is one that takes care of each other. What's that show with uh, uh, Jack? Uh, oh, he's a, he was a teacher, and he stole all this money, embezzled all this money. Oh, who's that guy that uh, in New York? He was he was in uh, Opera, Greatest Showman. What's his name? Uh, oh, you're talking about uh, uh, Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? Jack. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. So oh, Hugh Jackman <laughs> plays this. Uh, it's actually based on a real story. He plays this teacher. And he embezzles money from the school system. I think he's the superintendent. And um, when the school board found out, they actually kept it under wraps because they thought it would devalue the prices of the homes in the zip code. And they were and like, dude, I, tons of people knew about it, but they just put it, shoved it under the rug. And he didn't get busted. I mean, Hugh Jackman plays this guy. I can't remember his name, but um, they put it under the rug because it would affect the schools, which would then affect property values in this you know, prominent area back east. So anyway, I just thought of that. So yeah, little things can bring up the value of, uh, of a neighborhood and of properties and of a zip code. I digress real fast. My favorite thing about Hugh, Hugh Jackman is, I don't know if you've ever seen Nine at the Museum, like the third one, and uh, Hugh Jackman's in it, and he plays Hugh Jackman. And he comes out on stage and he's like, yeah, I'm Hugh Jackman. And the dude's all, Hugh Ackman? He's like, that is the dumbest name I've ever heard. I've, <laughs> that's not a real name, Hugh Ackman. Anyway. That's I, funny. Yeah. I love Hugh Jackman. He's awesome. Right. Um, so location, location, location. What do you need? Um, a big thing with, uh, uh, with homes is where do you work? You know, what's your commute going to be? Now, some of that might change because so many people are working from home. But I think it's interesting. This uh, pandemic and this coronaviruses have forced a lot of people out of work and it's forced other people to work from home. 
uh, major, major companies have tons of people working from their home. And uh, I've actually talked to a bunch of clients that are like, man, I, I, my home is small. Uh, my children are home during the day and they wish they had more space. And so they're making a change because their belief is that they're these larger companies. A lot of them will stay with, you know, people working remotely cuts down on the commute. Um, maybe they save in office space a little bit, but, uh, uh, you know, the commute, how, how close are you to your work? Are you going to be on the road for a half hour, an hour a day? Things like that, uh, all to take into consideration, which brings up an interesting topic about your real estate agent. As a buyer, and listen, this is important. As a buyer, you do not pay a cent to have a real estate agent represent you, okay? The seller is going to assume the cost to pay your agent. So if you are buying a second home or your first home, use a real estate agent all the time. There's, uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, real estate companies here locally, and I know they've branched out, and they're in many, many states right now, that offer very uh, low commissions to sell and things like that. Most of those agents, uh, they don't really care about you, okay? I would like to believe that a good portion of the professionals that work in the real estate industry actually care about their clients. I believe they do, especially the lifers, the ones who grind it out every day. They're going to be in your best interest. They're going to ask you all these questions. You know, what things are important to you? Where do you work? And then let them go to work for you. Okay. You, you need to worry about, Matt always says this, you need to worry about picking out blinds and what, uh, what kind of fridge you're going to get, what kind of carpet you're going to put in. So those, those things, you need to be worrying about those things, not uh, not the loan pro process and uh, let the agent go and find the house for you. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. Yeah. And they do a good job. I mean, you look at a real estate transaction and the amount of stress that can be imposed onto people. And that's, that's what I say. You pay us to stress. You pay me to worry. You go pick out your curtains. You go pick out your new bath mats and your, your new bath towels and all that stuff. Because when you move, apparently bath mats don't move with you. That's what I found out with my wife. These don't match. I'm like, what? But it's a bath mat. But what they came with the home along with the blinds. Oh, man. And the carpeted seat cover for your toilet. Oh, that was a delightful thing. <laughs> I can't believe grandma. those were actually carpeted bathrooms and carpeted uh, toilet seat covers. What in the hell were they thinking in the 70s? I don't know. Yellow appliances. Shag. Carpet just doesn't belong in a bathroom, man. Oh, it's just no. something wrong with that. Just Yeah, just thinking about it. Anyway. Hard surfaces, please. All hard surfaces. <laughs> uh, I'm going to quote from uh, <laughs> The Last Kingdom when he's all, this food is terrible. I'm going to go vomit. <laughs> just thinking about... Um, <laughs> Thinking about, you know, bath, you know, carpet and bathrooms, man. But anyway, um, the last thing real quick, because I know we're, we've been running long here. Um, if you do get home improvements, you know, um, that's one thing that I've always said. I don't fox with electricity and I don't mess with uh, plumbing because water and, and power, they scare me. You know, like I've been shocked. I've, you know, I've been hit with the, the electrical voltage that's knocked me on my butt and so i don't mess with that so i call a contractor one thing with contractors if you're going to do any sort of major renovations or any sort of home improvements anything like that get a fixed bid 
if you're looking at hours plus, you know, cost, anything like that, especially in your home, that's how you can get taken advantage of. I'm not saying that everybody who does cost plus is dishonest. I'm just saying it opens the door for you not to be able to actually budget for the final cost. Because it's just like Steve said, 10 to 30% more than what you anticipated when you build a house. Happens all the time. You have a contractor come in, cost plus. Next thing you know, the kitchen that you wanted, the kitchen your wife wanted, is now 30% more than what you had budgeted for. So, funny thing is contractors don't have a payment plan. They want their money. They're just like anybody. They did their job. Stroke them the check. So, that's uh, that's the one thing. If you're going to do any sort of renovations or anything like that, try to get a fixed bid so you know that you have that money set aside. And that's not, I don't think you're beating up contractors. I just think it's for the, the benefit of uh, the, the homeowner, you know, so they know what to expect. Financial stress sucks, man. It's literally the worst. Um, it causes a strain on marriages. It causes a strain on a lot of things and to have things fixed in. And that that's, you know, goes back to, uh, do you do you buy existing or do you build new? I think buying existing, the stress level is significantly lower. Uh, and the other thing with with building, so right now uh, rates have have become really really attractive. I, we talked about this conquest loan, the Corona killer, on the last podcast. Rates are really 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 attractive. If you're building and that home's not going to be done for nine months, I have no idea where rates are going to be in nine months. There is no such thing as a nine month rate lock for a 30-year fixed mortgage so that's one that's another variable that you add to that equation that uh, uh, when the home's done rates could be significantly higher they could be a point higher than they are right now and for some people that puts a massive strain on them and even for others it puts them out of qualifying if they're over budget and rates are up all of a sudden the debt ratio looks really ugly or Heaven forbid there's a second wave of coronavirus. A lot of these variables that are out there and you lose your job or have a reduction in hours and then you don't qualify at all and you've got hard earnest money. Um, so you can, I think, understand where my opinion is. I've seen a lot of problems with uh, people that build and buying existing, bam. You know, you put it under contract, we lock the loan, you got a job, we're good to go, you close in 20 days, done. You know, everything's fixed, it's done. Uh, some people don't have the luxury of, uh, I guess, paying cash or putting a massive chunk of money down. For those people, they've earned that right. They've put away money or they've they've saved over a long time. They have that luxury of those variables don't bug them as much. So, yeah, it doesn't hurt them as much. Yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't sting yeah. as bad. Well, and God bless them. Um, maybe it's a little bit selfish on my part because, like I said, you pay me to stress, dude. Like those nine month long loans, you're, I'm just telling you, you're taking years off of my life. Yeah, they're, they're stressful <laughs> from a loan, op, loan officer perspective, man. They really, really are. So collateral. I mean, it's the home you live in, it's your shelter. You got to have it. You have to have somewhere to sleep at night, um, whether you choose to, to rent or own, or when you do buy, buy existing or uh, build, you got to have somewhere to live. And, uh, uh, you just got to make wise decisions on what you need. We're just here to offer up some opinions on uh, maybe the hurdles or 
the success stories and things like that, kind of maybe w- what to stay away from based on your, your situation. Uh, but definitely, if you're going to buy, hire an agent. Let them do the work for you. Um, go and interview agents. Uh, don't just use somebody. Find out. Make sure they're good at what they do. Maybe get a couple of references and use an agent and let them start grinding and shooting you over properties. Yeah. And that's a great thing is they are applying for a job. And it's okay to ask them questions. Ask them, find out questions. How many first-time home buyers have you worked with? What's your price point that you're best at? Um, you know, things like that. I mean, that's really what you want to look at is where their level of expertise is. It's just like when people come in and talk to me about different types of loans. If somebody calls and asks um, for a SBA loan business, no, I don't do those. I'm yeah. not... a I am not a jack of all trades, master of none. I am good at certain things. Or uh, you're really good at painting. Well, thank you. You can do back handspring. <laughs> I, I can do those. You don't have web shooters. I need those. You do, you do, but you do shoot paint. So it's kind of like maybe you do have web shooters. I don't know. Does, cool. that, does that work? Uh, kind of. I mean, <laughs> it, it did in the new Spider Man, the, um, what was it, uh, Multiverse? thing gave me a headache is that the cartoon one yeah dude i love that one so i know good. you did man i watched it i watched it in the theater and it gave me a headache i like i was, felt like i was tripping on acid dude on another podcast you know that we're talking like i'll have to tell you this story um share the story i should say of my uh my injury and how that happened but like it, into the spider verse dude like it was my family on this row and it was like a full triage like dude like my daughter we had to carry her out 18 year old like well she was 16 at the time like just freaking sobbing during this movie so anyway it's a great yeah, movie that was an emotional emotional <clears throat> emotional movie for you for sure oh yeah so um please 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 subscribe if you like us um and please leave us uh, comments and Share this with people. Not, nothing uh, uh, we would like more than to hear some feedback. Um, and again, shoot us an email, text. Um, we'll throw our Instagram handles on the description here. So you can definitely go follow us um, on Instagram. And as I mentioned, to kind of open this up, uh, Marcus that uh, is running this podcast for us, go listen to his because it's awesome. Um, every morning I listen to 20 to 30 minutes of a podcast that's kind of my commute sometimes i'll sit here for a little bit and kind of finish it out but uh it's just kind of i've started my day doing that and i love it gives me uh, a little bit of uh advice from another universe that uh, i can use and it's been really really good for me so please subscribe leave us a comment if you just listened and uh yeah we'll catch you on the flip side do you have anything to wrap up with no that's it man just go out be safe be happy and I know that we got to wear masks all the time. So I've been really trying to practice smiling with my eyes. It's, uh, it's hard. But, you know, just, just know that you can, you can smile with your eyes. You don't have to, like, give me daggers all the time. How do you smile smiles. with your eyes? I don't know. Like, is, that? <laughs> is that a mask? That's not a smile. That's a frown. How do you frown with your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for listening shoot us some feedback subscribe share and uh we will catch you on the next episode which will be episode six